Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to the show. Today, I'm very excited to delve into the world of DeFi, also known as decentralized finance. Now, for those who don't know, this is a term used to describe Ethereum and blockchain applications geared towards disrupting financial intermediaries. But to learn a lot more about this exciting space, I'm delighted to be joined by a couple of DeFi experts. So today, we have Anders Christensen, who is a CMO and head of ecosystem at Allianz Block. And we also have Mattis Derveris, who is a co-founder and CTO of Allianz Block. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so Thank you much. much no, oh, great to have you. Um, this will be obviously before we get into this exciting space on DeFi. Maybe we can start with some introductions. So, if we start with Anders, uh, who's actually the second time on this podcast. Earlier in the year, we had a great chat on the whole area of old versus new in fintech. So, maybe Anders, would you just remind us again a bit about your background and who you are? Thank you, Ken, and uh, glad to be back on the show. Really enjoyed it. Old versus new fintech. I have in the meantime switched to new. It's very exciting to be here. I come from uh, Avalok One, ecosystem of uh, banks and fintechs, 160 banks. We managed to put 150 fintech solutions together for them. Having recently joined Alliance Block, it's a company I know quite well since two to three years. We're entering into the future of finance, I would say. Uh, very exciting times. As mentioned, I am head of the ecosystem there. We are basically breaking down the barriers to DeFi. Matt will tell us much more about that. Great. Thank you, Anders. And Matt, please, if you could introduce yourself. Yeah, I can. Uh, super excited to be here. Uh, thank you so much for the invite. It's always lovely to uh, to be speaking to you guys. Yeah, so my name is Matthijs Fries. I've always been in software development since a very young age. Uh, when I was 11, I was already building software applications. So that was a huge part of my life and my career. When I was growing as a software developer, I was trying out developing software in many different industries and many different programming languages and environments. So at some point I was like, uh, I think I've seen everything or at least enough. So I, I grow into a management position and uh, I was manager for nearly nine years at uh, Postana, which is the largest employer uh, in, in the Netherlands. And after doing that for nine, almost nine years, I uh, wanted to go to a smaller company, do something with AI. And uh, there was leading some AI products in a smaller company. And, you know, in this kind of fields, you get quickly introduced into other cool fields. And that's how I got introduced to uh, the industry of blockchain. And to be honest, it was incredibly addictive. And um, I lost a lot of sleep that time because um, I was uh, so hooked into everything blockchain, everything crypto. I was reading reading, and communicating about blockchain like almost 24-7. Wow. And during that time, I met also uh, Amber and Rashid. And uh, these are my co-founders of, uh, of Alliance Block. Rashid is the CEO. Amber is the chief investment officer. And... When we met, we were discussing the problems that we saw 
in the crypto industry, the challenges and the opportunities. But we wanted to create something that's uh, safer, more transparent, easier for, for people to use and understand. So we met up, we spoke over this, and then basically Alliance Block was born. And Alliance Block was originally created in order to make, you know, collaborative, participative environment for investors in a safe, secure, and transparent way. But it pivoted. It was founded in, back in 2018, so it was already, already a while ago. We're, we're here for three years now. And we pivoted along the way because we were running into some challenges with, with regards to compliance. And when we were working on solving them, we saw that we are not the only one who is dealing with compliance issues. This is also the large financial institutions of which, you know, a lot of people who are deep into crypto say, you know, financial institutions, they're fighting against crypto. But it's not always really, not, not always really the case because a lot of financial institutions, they embrace blockchain technology. They embrace decentralized technologies and they want to work with them. But the problem is, is that the lack of regulatory compliance in those networks it's hindering them into entering the space. So therefore, when we were pivoting, we wanted to create a solution where everybody can work together from both industries. So the traditional finance industry, which we call TradFi, and the decentralized finance industry, which we call DeFi. And having those both industries working together can give a whole scale of new innovations, possibilities that at this point are now you know, unknown and unheard of. There's so much potential to be unlocked by bridging those two industries together. So our mission is to bridge StratFi and DeFi together. And we do this through a number of different products that we are developing in uh, in parallel, like uh, at the data tunnel, which we call Netflix of data, a cross-border regulatory compliance rule engine, which is, you know, needed for the StratFi really to be compliant, but also a compliant peer-to-peer NFT lending, borrowing, and investment protocol, which we call Funders, uh, non-chain investment data API, because we believe the data-driven innovation is going to be more and more data-driven, uh, also in, in, in these two industries. And also DeFi investment terminal, that is already live now with, with, uh, with a couple of happy clients through our liquidity mining as a service offering. We also uh, work on a derivative and structured product pricing engine with uh, risk analytics. A trustless identity verification, which is again, you know, the help for the, for the compliance in especially DeFi and the Alliance DEX as our very own decentralized exchange that, uh, that aims to drastically reduce, uh, impermanent loss and, uh, the Alliance bridge, a fully decentralized bridge, which is supporting a growing number of blockchain networks and a bridge. It's something that helps, uh, combat interoperability issues that you know, a fragmented blockchain space is now facing because you have all these different networks and they all have like uh, innovative applications and use cases and tokens. And how can you, you know, connect those networks and uh, bring these applications together? Well, this is true through a bridge like the Lions Bridge. I mean, that service offering is that's a huge array of services and applications you're providing there. And that sounds very, very interesting. Just before, I'd like to go more into that, but just before I go to that, can I just go back and just, you know, can we just go back to this whole DeFi thing and the whole, you know, the growth we've seen only, I suppose, I think it's only really in very recent times, as in the last year or two years, have we really started to see exponential growth. Just for, in your own words, I mean, I gave a very simple definition of it. 
Well, you might just give us more detailed definition of you know the DeFi and what is it, and you know why are we seeing this growth now? I mean, more recently. So DeFi was already a thing when we started 2018. We were already speaking about decentralized finance okay. as financial products that work on blockchain technology. And uh, if you look at decentralized finance today, it's using blockchain technologies that uh, mostly already existed before DeFi, you know, became booming, became, you know, a thing, okay. uh, really a thing. And this is due to, you know, Ethereum based technologies like, like, uh, smart contracts that were written in, in Solidity. Then we saw a rise of other networks that use, you know, the same EVM, the same Ethereum based technologies in order to do basically the same, but, you know, aiming to solve different kinds of problems like transaction costs, transaction speed. And, you know, due to this rise of networks, we saw also a rise of innovation on, you know, if you buy cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum, and then all these other tokens from all these other projects that suddenly came, came to life as well. Mm-hmm. That's just one thing, but it's not enough anymore. Investors want to put their tokens to work and putting these tokens to work is really where DeFi comes in. You know, you have, you have liquidity mining protocols, you have lending, uh, you have the insurance protocols, just holding crypto. It's not enough in 2020, 2021 anymore. You really want to put your tokens to work. And through DeFi, you have all these really innovative, decentralized solutions, decentralized financial products that can help you put your tokens to work in a completely trustless way, which means that you don't have a middleman. You don't have to worry about your funds getting stolen or getting stuck in, in really weird investment schemes that you didn't choose for because you know exactly what's going to happen because it's transparent and because of all the innovation, you have also really high uh, yields. It's a, it's a young field. And uh, this is where DeFi, this is why DeFi became really booming and uh, is here to stay. And we believe that DeFi, decentralized finance, it's, it's going to be the new TradFi. So in a couple of years from now, we're not, we don't speak about DeFi anymore. We just speak about finance. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. But so, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the recent growth, is that because in the space, is it because that's just the technology just didn't exist previously, that we couldn't provide these services? Um, or was there some other restrictions and that we've moved past these restrictions? I mean, is that why we had the recent growth? Or I know you mentioned there's new opportunities, but what was you know, limiting this growth in the past? So you have to understand that, of course, all decentralized technologies, it's, uh, it's an industry that's still maturing. So a lot of these technologies they are in development. I mean, Bitcoin was like the first mover, right? Everything it's because Bitcoin at some point existed. And then after Bitcoin, there was this, this really, really big next innovation that launched Web3, Web3.0, which is uh, due to Ethereum. And Ethereum brought smart applications, smart contracts to the blockchain network, which means that you can have interactions between another person, between another entity, without having to know who this person is, who this entity. You don't need to trust this entity. And you know, this was not even that long ago. I mean, this was somewhere in 2015. That was an industry that was, you know, needed maturing as well. Then, you know, when you have like the first applications, you start to see, you know, more potential, more possibilities and innovation. It's an iterative. It's something that's iterative, right? So it doesn't happen overnight. It's something that's growing gradually. And we are seeing now that with all these 
these these innovations that have been created, the full potential that we can see, and that's how DeFi basically was born when uh, these new possibilities were discovered and implemented immediately. And because of uh, the fact that there was this ICO boom back in 2017, it attracted a lot of retail investors to crypto. And that was this really big bear market. But in the bear market, it doesn't mean that nothing is happening. It just means that the prices are lower than uh, when, when there was a bull market. So right. during due to this bear market, it also drives innovation because people are looking for the next big thing. What can help, you know, propel, you know, retail investors to blockchain again. And that's where you, where we saw, for example, the creation of the decks like Uniswap. And when Uniswap was created, it brought like all these new possibilities of projects to immediately launch their token on an exchange with uh, some backing of their token, which we call liquidity pool. And this was like completely different, different kind of strategy that we saw in the ICO boom that wasn't really working, which we saw because the bubble collapsed, right? So due to this and IDOs that came, the initial DEX offerings that were, you know, finally possible because of things like Uniswap and other DEXs that came, uh, that came with it, the rise of, uh, of DeFi was, uh, was basically a given. Cool, very cool. And it's, it's interesting how, you know, you evolved. I mean, when you start from what you mentioned earlier, as, you know, how you actually started to have your focus was on the company at the start. And now you've moved into the compliance space. Are you focused purely on compliance now? Or are you also branching out further than that? So, Ken, so thank you for that question. Why the Alliance Block uh, stack is basically split over three different layers, if you will. Okay. As mentioned by, by Matt says, we are very, very strong in the DeFi layer where we are addressing what investors really want, which is it's no longer buy to hold. It's no longer I'm getting a little exposure to crypto, but rather I want my cryptos to work for me. I want to generate returns in this new circle of DeFi that is increasingly becoming opened up compliantly by companies like Alliance Block. So our, the Alliance Block offering is really split over three different layers. We start with the DeFi, and during the setting up our DeFi solutions, we realized that not only were we amassing tons of data, we also needed the data to feed our analytics uh, running through our liquidity as a mining as a service platform. So we actually ended up developing a data layer next to our DeFi layer, which runs across all data aggregators in the DeFi space. And we can basically provide a data API, for example, to banks or wealth managers, hedge funds who are already paying millions of dollars to the Bloombergs of the world. We can now provide a, a Netflix of data. So you can literally browse data from this new world, use data, use your own data. It's quite interesting. So that's the second layer. And of course, in the underlying to our conversation and your question to answer that, the compliance layer. layer. Without a compliance layer, this industry will never take off. So we invite rules, we invite regulations. We're absolutely no mercy about that. We want regulation because that will increase the takeoff of an industry that's already exponential. We have two products in that category. We have the trustless KYC, as mentioned before. We've partnered with GBG, one of the largest compliance companies in the world. And we literally are giving people back their data, their identity, the power to monetize it. Second, this is the really big fish we need to catch. Everyone in this industry needs to catch this is the global uh, cross-border regulatory compliance framework. 
we're working on it. A lot of people are working on it. And I believe that this will be the future. This will be where TradFi and DeFi merge into future finance. It's not tomorrow. It's actually happening right now as we speak. We've seen the industry grow 255 times since January 2020 in terms of asset inflows and total value lock. And if you compare that to some of the major indices, which have had phenomenal record seasons since January 20, NASDAQ grew by one and a half. You can compare apples to apples, but it's still pretty powerful to see an industry growing 255 times in such a short time. Actually, Andrews, I mean, an interesting point that you mentioned there, but you do see a lot of negative press and, you know, about the whole DeFi and crypto space. And in America, as I recently were trying to pass legislation on this. How do you see that impacting the industry? Is it having, you know, is it positive or negative in the short or longer term? I think what's needed for general mass adoption mm-hmm. it, with every young industry, there will be, there will be, of course, stories, headlines. But if, if we look at how the industry has matured since 2017, where it very much was the wild, wild west, we're now seeing very large institutions coming in since more, more or less mid year 2020. They are all getting their feet wet with Bitcoin and also other major coins. We're seeing the common denominator for all, and that is the investors want access. They're putting pressure on the private banks, the wealth managers, the hedge funds, the asset managers. So whether the institutions want it or not, it's happening right now. With this flow of investors coming in, there will be a natural demand for all of the major platforms do KYC AML already. So if you trade on a, on a platform, you need to obviously show who you are and lots of Lots of new products are coming to light and to, to market like our trustless KYC. Will there be continued hacks? Absolutely. But on a centralized level, it is impossible to hack something that is decentralized in nature. Maybe Matt, Matej, you want to elaborate a bit on that? I mean, of course, we saw a rise of hacks in decentralized uh, solutions. Yeah. But if you look in, you know, more deeply into the nature of these hacks, you see a few common problems or a few common mistakes, as you will. And one of those is lack of OPSEC, which we call operational security. And uh, this is basically, you know, if you create a wallet on a blockchain network, you get a private key. And uh, this private key, it's also, it, it, it's also needed by applications in order to do the work in some cases. I mean, it, it shouldn't be really because that means that you have a centralized solution. But, you know, let's say that there are some organizations that uh, need to do this, especially centralized exchanges. In these cases, uh, when you look at some of these hacks, the security of this private key was compromised and they got access to this private key, which means that this was due to a lack of uh, carefulness on, on the side of uh, the company behind that application and not, so, not has nothing to do with the decentralization per se. Then another thing is that when you create software, you expect there to be bugs, right? So you have QA, uh, you have some testers, and uh, you have version releases. With blockchain applications, there's no such thing. Once you deploy something on a blockchain network, it's immutable, which means that there is no way that you can patch a version, fix a bug, fix a bug, and uh, release the next version that, uh, that handles this problem. So in order to combat that, we have blockchain security specialists that perform audits on code. And they, they take this very seriously because, I mean, in the end, most of these applications, they handle large large sums of 
cryptocurrencies, which translates into large sums of money, right? So these auditors, they review the code, they work together closely with developers in order to get the most secure version of, of the application that's uh, essentially bug-free. And, you know, when we look at some of these hacks, there was just a plain lack of audit or because audit, auditors are sometimes, they have really full, full plannings. They don't always have time to perform an audit. They go with a cheaper option that's maybe not that good with audits. So they miss some mistakes in the source code. So in order to combat that, you know, always take your time to review the code well, work with the best cybersecurity specialists in the blockchain industry. And if you have to, you know, extend the deadline by a couple of more weeks just so that you have the perfect audit, then do it. That's what we do. And uh, we haven't always delivered on the deadline that we envisioned for some of our products due to the fact that audits took a little bit longer than we planned. But at least we know that we have the most secure, most bug-free version that, that we could have launched on the blockchain uh, networks. And, you know, another thing that we see is that there's sometimes really unnecessary complexity in smart contracts. You know, the smart contracts are the applications that are deployed on the blockchain. And this unnecessary complexity also makes auditing this code and testing this code much more complicated and uh, much more prone to bugs in the end. So we try to keep the logic simple, straightforward, and not have too many fancy, difficult things. We really take our time to think functionality through in order to make sure that it's not going to be prone to bugs or attacks, which makes it also more secure in the end. And then the final thing to come back to the immutability of things that are on the blockchain, there's actually a way in order to improve smart contracts that were deployed on the blockchain, which is called the diamond standard. And the diamond standard was founded by Nick Match. And we have actually worked closely together with Nick Match in order to implement the diamond standard for our own applications, our own products. And what the diamond standard essentially means is that you can safely and securely swap out functionality from an existing smart contract-based application with uh, other improved functionality, which means that if uh, due to increased security standards or new insights from the industry, certain functionality is you know, not best practice anymore, we can combat this by immediately update functionality, swap it out for the for the updated functionality, and always be you know on on the forefront of security in that sense. So yeah, hacks have a place in DeFi, unfortunately, but they're a really good base in order to to combat that. Oh, fascinating. I mean, and it sounds like there's still a lot of work to be done there, without a doubt. What I also find very interesting is um, for you guys that. You know, Allianz Block, you're, you're bridging traditional and decentralized finance, and you're working with a lot of the big institutions, exchanges. But ultimately, you know, with, the, with the, these big institutions, I, suppose I, I wanted to ask you all about future plans and where we're going to the future, but will decentralized finance remove that need for these institutions going forward, do you think, or do, do we, will we all still need these institutions? So what I, you know, like I said before, you know, if if you look at high net worth individuals, and uh, I believe Kevin O'Leary uh, spoke about this recently, is that you know a lot of high net worth individuals, if they're interested in crypto, they're already holding crypto. It's either Bitcoin or Ethereum or another top ten uh, cryptocurrency. But as I said, holding crypto is not enough anymore. If you want to be part of the future, you want to put your tokens to work. 
And uh, that's why DeFi, it's here to stay. And it's here to take over uh, traditional finance because uh, having the ability to have your cryptocurrency work for you with high yields in a trustless way, that's definitely that's something everybody wants. And yeah. the institutional financial institutions, they follow, they see this happening. They see this happening now. And there is, of course, from their side, also this, this small FOMO, you know, for their clients that are high net worth individuals to see this growth in the industry and these innovations and want to participate. So if these clients uh, needs, you know, uh, if you want to met them, have them met, you will need to include DeFi in your offering eventually. I need to add in here to what Matej is saying. We're already seeing the first movers. We're seeing companies like Swissborg attracting close to 400,000 professional investors at all levels to benefit from the gains from DeFi. You can literally put deposit your cryptos for a specified point of time for somewhere between anywhere from 2 to 10% a year. That's just the beginning. So Swissborg today just made it easy. It's not hard to access, excellent app. I'm not working for the company clearly, but it's just the first mover on how it can be done, even without having a deep crypto knowledge. But if we look three to five years ahead in time, and I think more three than five, we will see the first wave of greenfield investment banks, asset managers, and wealth managers who will be built on the blockchain, greenfield, with tools to go cross-chain to utilize the DeFi to stay secure and efficient that as mentioned before. And institutions will also have compliant access to decentralized exchanges where they can provide liquidity, short-term financing, structured products, loans that are tradable, not only in what's today is called traditional finance, but, but actually across the two circles, they become one finance, future finance. And if we look then 10 years ahead, as mentioned earlier, we are absolutely a maturing industry, but in 10 years, it's a mature industry. And there we think we will see a new blockchain technology that is quantum resistant, scalable, compliant, and interoperable across and with other blockchains. And this technology will actually form the new financial in, uh, system, which we see to be open, transparent, and inclusive. It means you're your own bank, you control your own data, you control your own identity. We will also see a lot of the old standards like the SWIFT being replaced. We will see cross-border payments being done much easier than today. It doesn't have to take three to five banking days, business days to do a transfer. So basically, this new technology really has the true potential to replace the old legacy systems that are expensive to maintain. And, and let's be honest, they, they are 30-year-old technologies. So... Last but not least, in order for this to work, we need to have global KYC, global AML. But again, we're dealing with technology that's based on databases. So we believe that that's coming and it's coming. It's the bottleneck today. But it's if we solve this riddle, we are truly in a world where we see open finance, open banking, blockchain, DeFi merging, and we'll have a very exciting future. So, so I'd like to conclude that in my 20 plus years in banking innovation, I've never seen anything like this. And I have become a believer from over the last three years, from looking from the sidelines and seeing the increased interest from investors, from banks, but actually from everyone in how can I not only get access or exposure to digital assets, how can I get it? How can I take back the control? And last but not least, how do I make my money work for me? not just hold, but actually uh, let them work for me, passive income. 
So it's very interesting time to live in. And, and I think if we look back three years, what happened? If we now look forward three years and we look at the acceleration effect and the money, the people, the talent coming in, the institutions coming in, we will see a very interesting world already three years from now. Fascinating, guys. Really, really fascinating. And I, I, I can understand that point you mentioned about making money work here because in traditional finance, I mean, there's, there's no benefit in having money sitting in a bank. And if you can work with, with, with you some other way, then fantastic. Could I just go back briefly so to Allianz Block? I mean, obviously, you guys have achieved an awful lot in the last three years. You mentioned there, uh, Mattis. I mean, so what are the plans I mean for the, you know, for the rest of the year and for the next couple of years? What's the goal? We, uh, as mentioned, uh, we are working on different products in parallel right now, of which a couple of, uh, of them are in life and uh, a couple of them are almost live. So the rest of the year, we're focusing on finishing the products. We have actually recently launched our new roadmap, updated roadmap, and it's an amazing roadmap, but to be honest, I think they did an incredible job. And uh, I think we have one of the most extensive uh, roadmaps in, uh, in DeFi. And it's really cool to look at and really cool to go through and uh, read about the different milestones and uh, and journey. And there's uh, this really nice article published uh, alongside that, what it means for Alliance Block and, and how this roadmap, in which context you should, uh, you should read it. It's really cool. So the rest of the year, we are finishing off, uh, for example, the data tunnel and the Alliance DAX. Uh, we are improving the, the DeFi terminal with liquidity mining as a service the bridge and um, this means that because we aim to be blockchain agnostic as much as possible which so it means that we are going to add support for for new networks also non-efm compatible networks and for both liquidity mining as a surface but also for uh, for the bridge and for the data tunnel we have some really exciting things coming up and you know one thing that uh, wasn't mentioned that much yet is that we are of course, we are developing products, but most importantly, we're developing an ecosystem because we are seeing that bridging traditional finance with decentralized finance, it's not something that we can do just by ourselves. And we don't want to reinvent the wheel everywhere, right? So we worked really hard also in the past three years to have an ecosystem of partners of both traditional finance, decentralized finance, or blockchain even. So you see, you have a pretty powerful list of pretty impressive list of powerful partners like Chainlink, uh, Ocean Protocol, Hedera, Hashcraft, Avalanche, etc., etc. But also from TradFi or traditional industries in general, like GBG, for uh, which is one of the one of the largest and best identity verification providers in the world, we have a partnership with them for the trustless identity verification uh, product that we are working on, and we are also part of the London Stock Exchange partner uh, platform. And, you know, all these partnerships, they are helping to be part of, to create this ecosystem of products, solutions, services to fully bridge traditional finance with decentralized finance. And, you know, our aim is to keep growing this ecosystem so that we, we have all this power of all these organizations from within this ecosystem to make, uh, you know, this, this really big impact that we envision for, for both DeFi and TradFi. So the, the year, it seems really short, but uh, I mean, we're a blockchain company. So uh, three, four months in crypto, it's three, four years in traditional. Mm -hmm. So we know that we, uh, that in the remainder of this year, there's still a lot of uh, uh, things that, that we can realize. 
and uh, impact that we can make. So that's exactly the plan that, uh, mm-hmm. that, that we still have for Q for this year. Make a lot of impact, launch more products, grow the ecosystem and uh, get another step closer to fully bridge decentralized finance with traditional finance. Amazing, guys. And thank you so much for coming in today and giving us more insights. Sounds fascinating. I'm really excited about the space myself in the future. And we'll definitely have to record again, uh, definitely in a few months' time to get another catch up on what's happened, what's changing, because it is changing so quickly. If people want to, um, I suppose, learn a bit more about you guys, want to contact you, learn about your ecosystem and learn a bit more about Adios Block, what, what would you recommend for them to get in touch? This is so Anders. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, so I mean, we're, we're pretty much on all channels. You can reach out to us on LinkedIn for TradFi. We have an amazing Twitter following of 26,000, 27,000 now. Twitter followers in the Alliance Block group there. We are on Telegram, where we also are just uh, reached 9,000 in our community. It's one of the best, I think, in the industry, growing almost by 1,000, uh, 100 a day right now. Incredible. A medium block. Yeah, there's really, we have, we are, there's really no way to avoid us. So just contact us, ping us and check out the roadmap on alliancebook.io. And uh, we're here to help and also to help break down the barriers to DeFi. Awesome. And is there any particular, you know, if you have a shout out, is any particular clients or partners that that you're looking to talk to? Yeah, so we are we are currently uh, onboarding one to two clients a week on our liquidity mining as a service okay. uh, solution, which we did to ourselves. We consume all of our technology as the first client. So typically we solve a major issue for ourselves and then we productize it. Probably stealing Matt's thunder here, but what we see next is, um, so in the DeFi space, we're quite going quite well. So if your DeFi project with a token and a market cap between two and 80 million, Basically, we went through that journey of increasing the liquidity and the volume using our own tools. Happy to talk to you. If you're a financial institution, regardless if you're a crypto neo bank, the crypto bank, very advanced, or if you're just looking to better understand, again, there are no stupid questions. We're really here to help and provide the tools to bridge the two worlds compliantly, and we can help you. And finally, if you're a retail crypto investor, like most of the people or all the people I know, uh, join one of the communities. Feel free to reach out to us. The founders, the co-founders are very active on the channels and you will see a whole new world. So welcome to the future or the present. And, you know, on top of that, we don't b- really believe in competition. We believe in collaboration. If you feel like, hey, here is something similar that uh, Alliance Block is doing, that I'm doing, reach out. Let's see uh, where we can align and collaborate. That's uh, part of our ecosystem vision as well. Fantastic. Awesome, guys. Listen, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I really do appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. I'm looking forward to chatting again soon. Thank you so much, Ken. It was an absolute pleasure.